Here's um, our theme for this morning. Um, we have a king. We also have a new prime minister. And this wasn't what I was going to talk about, but I thought, well, this would be an opportune moment to talk about uh, the things that are changing in our nation and what can we do about it. And I've gone to uh, the scriptures in the First Timothy and pulled these words out that we are a people who are set apart to pray for those in authority. Now, sometimes you think to yourself, well, I don't really know how to pray. How do I pray? How did I pray for the Queen? And how do I pray for the King? How did I pray for Boris? And how will I pray for Liz? And maybe that's something you've probably think to yourself, you know, I've never really done that at all with any sense of conviction or dedication. Well, maybe this is the time to turn things around. We need to pray for those in authority. And sometimes we ask ourselves, okay, well, we've got to pray for those in authority. I'd like to know why and what it's all about. So we're just going to jump into 1 Timothy chapter 2. So if you've got your Bible and you like to follow or you can see it up on the screen, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to look at four verses here. I urge you then, first of all, this is the Apostle uh, Paul. He is urging Timothy. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God, our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. I urge you then, this is uh, Paul writing, and there's a sense of uh, fervency, um, pressure, let's, let's get some movement going. First of all, he says, this is the important thing, I urge you, first of all, so in one sense you've got to ask this question, okay, for first of all is following the word then, so what is the then about? And therefore, if you go back, we're in chapter 2 of 1 Timothy. If you go back to chapter 1, we can find out something that's going on that Paul is using as a springboard to encourage Timothy to be a prayer for those in authority. If you just go back one chapter, and we find this in uh, 1 Timothy 1.18, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, that by recalling them you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a, with a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Among them are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Blaspheme. This is what Timothy is being told. I urge you then, something has happened back in that last chapter. Something has happened with Hymenius and Alexander that needs to be addressed. And I believe that uh, 
What is being spoken about here is the fact that these two followers have decided that they are no longer going to be prayers for those in leadership. When 1 Timothy was written, the Roman uh, emperor was Nero. Nero was not a great fan of Christians. And I believe the couple, uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander, were telling people we need to stop praying for Nero. Let's stop praying for our superior leader. And what Paul turns it around and he says, Timothy, don't be like them. Don't put yourself in that position where you stop interceding for those who have authority. This is what he says, doesn't he, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. It's your role, your responsibility, your privilege. And as he's saying this, we must be taken on board. This is our role, our responsibility, our privilege to pray for kings and those in authority. Now, one of the things that we've got to take on board is that doesn't say in scripture that we've got to like them. It doesn't say that we've got to believe everything that they proclaim and put out. I certainly know that there were many things that our previous prime minister said and did that actually at the end of the day was probably his downfall. But we are called to pray, to intercede to uphold them. We're called to be those who intercede for our queen as was. And now we are called to be interceders, intercessors for our king, our prime minister, those in the cabinet, those in the house of commons and Lords, maybe even ask the question, when was the last time you prayed for our MP, Maria Miller? But that's what the scriptures are telling us that we need to do. Our responsibility as sons and daughters of God is to obey God. And the word of God says quite clearly that we are called to be a people who intercede. We pray for those in authority. And one of the things that we recognize as we go through scripture is those who come against those in authority that God has put into place, if you oppose, things can go a little bit wrong. I don't know if any of you remember the stories in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. Numbers 11, 12, 13, there was a Aaron and Miriam came up against Moses. I won't go into detail, but it certainly didn't go well for them. So we're called to pray. This is what the word of God says. We're called to pray for those in authority that we may live, uh, have peaceful uh, lives, live peaceful lives, quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. But then the question is, but why? Well, when that is happening, this is what it's about. God's passion is for all people and that all people will come to a saving knowledge of him. And it's in those, um, that quiet, settled land 
that God is desiring that we have, then the truth of God's love is able to be expressed and all are given the opportunity to come to the knowledge of truth. So it sort of follows on, doesn't it? Paul says, Timothy, make sure that you are praying, you are interceding, you're bringing your thanksgivings. Prioritize those in authority. Because if we have a priority of those in authority, those who make decisions, then things will be quiet in the land, peaceful in the land, and where there is peace in the land, then the word of the Lord can go out without restriction, and many can come to know the Prince of Peace. I like the angle. I love the way that Paul is encouraging Timothy to make sure everything is in place to bring about the opportunity for people to get saved. It says this in uh, verse 20 of uh, 1 Timothy 1, when we go, went back to the previous chapter, among them as Hermanius uh, and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. The word there that's blaspheming is talking about those things that are said about God that are not true. The doctrines and the teachings that are leading people away from a relationship with God rather than into a relationship with God. Don't be involved in doing anything other than drawing people in to a relationship. Don't allow others to influence those around them in a way that takes them away from the Lord. I found this beautiful story in Acts 13. Let me read this to you. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and then set off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. That's a nice place to go. I'd love to holiday in Cyprus. When they arrived at uh, Salamanis, they uh, proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Delimus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Delimus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. 
Then the proconsul saw what had happened. He believed, for he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. This is a situation here where was trying to unpack what does it mean and why should we pray for those in authority. And we come to this scripture here in, in Acts chapter 13 and we see that there is somebody who is influencing somebody else. But the influence that was being brought was an ungodly influence. In verse 6. I've got to go quick because my iPad's just said that battery power's low. So let's really push on now. It says in verse 6, They travelled through the whole land until they came to Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus. This is an area um, that was set apart for Roman rule. There was a proconsul, a leader put into place, one with authority, and as they uh, landed, Saul comes onto the, ta- onto, the, onto the island there. They find themselves guided, first of all, to the synagogue to teach. And in their teaching, they find that they are being heard by the proconsul. But not only by the proconsul, but uh, this uh, individual, Bar-Jesus, a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet... And we find out that this individual was one who was an influencer. Bless you. He was a Jew, and therefore he was calling people back to the Jewish ways and the ways of the law. It talks about him being a false prophet, so at one point in time, he must have been a true prophet. And he's lost his way. But he's one who is influencing. And God's men set apart on the island are there to turn things back around. There's a scripture that we read in Matthew chapter 7. We're called to enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many go through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. This false prophet, this sorcerer, may very well have been following the words that Jesus was speaking in Matthew 7 when he said there are some who are proclaiming that the road is wide. But the truth of the matter is the road is narrow. And for us as Christians, as followers of Christ, society around us is saying that we need to be wider, more accepting, more open to all that is going on around us. We've got to realize we're in the uh, 2022 now. We're not in the dark ages. And therefore what happens around us is that there is a lowering of the holiness level that Christ desires us to follow. Society will tell you that the gate is wide. Jesus would remind us that the gate is narrow. And then we come to verse 15. He says, the gate is narrow. Some are saying it's wide. But the relevance of this is the fact that it's the false prophets. Watch out for false prophets. 
They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. What's going on here? What's going on here is the fact that there are many who are proclaiming a way of life and following Christ that is not exactly as it was meant to be. Those who are doing that are the false prophets. They look right. They come in sheep's clothing, but they are wolves. They're seeking those who they wish to devour. They look right, but what they're teaching is wrong. A false prophet will take a person who's not born again and lead them farther away from God. That's the sort of thing that a ferocious wolf would do. A false prophet will lead a a Christian away from their inheritance through wrong teaching, wrong doctrine. That's the sort of activity of the wolf. A false prophet leads the unsaved away from Christ. And if they are not in Christ, the eternity is not in heaven. That's the thing that ferocious wolves do. False prophet leads Christians away from the truth and causes them to sacrifice the benefits of their inheritance. We sang today of the champion who was released amongst his people the gifts to bring transformation in community. We are called to use those gifts for his honor and glory. But the false prophet, the wolf, would lead us away. Look back again. This is Luke chapter thir- uh, Acts chapter 13. We're talking about this uh, false prophet. It says here he was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, the proconsul, an intelligent man sent, he sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. What we recognize straight away in these words here is that the attendant... He's somebody who is going to have close interaction with the proconsul. Somebody who has the proconsul's ear. Somebody who is walking close beside. We need to make sure that as we pray for those in authority, we pray for those around them who are influencing the decisions that they are making. You see, when a prime minister stands up and proclaims what the government is going to do, the bottom line is they have been uh, given information from their advisors, their experts on the policies and the things that are going to happen, and they're only speaking forth not just their ideas and their thoughts, but that of many influencers. We pray for those in authority that they may discern what is the right thing to do. And that they would be able to also discern who is a good influencer and who is not. You see, the thing about influencers, those people who are speaking into the lives of those with authority, they don't walk around with a big D for demon on their shirts. But those who listen need to have a big D for discernment on their hearts. He was an attendant. He was one who was close by. And it says quite clearly that uh, he was one who had influence. But then we talk about the fact that 
the one who, uh, the proconsul, was an intelligent man. His desire was to hear what the word of God was saying. It says here that uh, he was uh, an intelligent man sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear. You see, the truth of the matter is there's a place in our hearts that only is receptive to the truth that Jesus is Lord. And as soon as uh, Paul and Barnabas were on the island, then there was a sense in this uh, leader's heart that there's something he needs to know. I'm hearing the teaching from others, but I want to hear it from these guys. Because what they are carrying is truth. He says, but... Elemas, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the consul from their faith. If there's anything that we are called to do in response to 2 Timothy 2.2, it's the fact that we would be praying that those in authority over us as a nation may know who is influencing them and make sure that those who are influencing them are those who are leading them to a godly response to the very best for our nation. To recognize that the enemy is at work. To recognize that his desire is to pull us apart and lead us into destruction. Leads us to that place of saying, well, I need to pray and I need to pray better than I've ever prayed before. We as a nation are in transition from queen to a king from Boris to Liz, and a cabinet that's all being shuffled around. It's a new beginning. And it's a time where we are called to stand up and make a difference in our prayers. I just recognize that the influence of the enemy is massive. And Jesus teaches quite clearly about the fact that the demonic influences are running around looking for somewhere to make their home. This is what it says in Matthew's Gospel. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking a rest. A place to rest but does not find it. You see... It's wrong to believe that the demonic isn't working here right now in our community, in our nation, because it is. It wasn't until I went to Africa that I recognized and had it shown to me so clearly the work of the demons, the, the, the scheming and their influence as they follow through Satan's plans and purposes in individuals' lives. And I can remember coming back on a plane and speaking to the evangelist that I was in Africa with and saying, that's not happening in England, is it? And he says, yeah, it most definitely is happening in England. But so much of the demonic is subdued by medical intervention. I'm thinking, really? Well, there were things that I saw in Africa that were people were delivered and transformed from in the power in the name of Jesus that we have homes set apart for. Is anybody praying that demons will be released from these individuals? And as I 
had this long conversation on the flight back from Uganda, I, I was asking those questions and the most uncomfortable thing that was said to me from Jonathan Conrath, who I was out there with, it was, start doing it, Dave. Lead your church to do it. Just over in Hatch Warren yesterday, there was a psychic fair. And the number of times that I've passed those signs, because they come quite regularly, I think, let's raise up a team. Can we have a booth? Can we have a, a stall at the psychic fair? Can we do psalm reading rather than palm reading? Can we tell people how they are um, beautifully, fearfully made in the image of God? Can we help people find their identity in Christ? Can we pray for the sick? Can we have a healing group? I believe that's what God would want us to do. Not that we would hide ourselves away, but that we would be frontline people standing against the influence of the enemy. And this is what Paul and Barnabas or Saul and Barnabas are doing here in Cyprus. They are setting up their booth. They are standing against the works of the enemy. And they wanting and desiring that they would bring an influence over the proconsul that would change a nation. You see, it says this in Acts 13. The proconsul saw what had happened. He believed. He was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. You see, what, what Paul speaks about, at times he, he says the phrase, something along, along these sort of lines. He says, I don't come with you, to you with all, all eloquence and, and fancy words. He says, I come with, to you with power. And what happens here is there is power. The sorcerer finds himself blind. Well, crumbs, that makes you stop in your tracks, doesn't it? Goodness me. And then on the back of that, the proconsul says, he saw what had happened, but he didn't stop there. He believed. He put his faith in Christ because he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Not only what he saw, but also what he heard. The call to each of us is to take hold of this scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving are made for all people, for kings and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Let's pray as we start a new season of leadership in our nation. Let's pray that we might see the influence of Christ on those in leadership. Let us pray against the work of the enemy. Stand against the demons whose desire is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Let's take this as a call that many might see the power of God at work around us and be amazed by God's teaching. Simple call. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's really pray. I think this coming Wednesday's prayer meeting. 
It's serious, isn't it? Eight o'clock this Wednesday, church prayer meeting, one hour, an hour of power. Come and join us on Wednesday, eight o'clock here. Let's start praying for our nation. Let's start praying for those in authority. Let's start to underpin all those who make decisions on our behalf that they would not be in any way deceived, led astray, influenced by the demonic. Let's pray for the kings, for all in authority. So Lord, we just offer ourselves to you afresh here this morning. Help us to be intercessors. Help us to take on the amazing responsibility that you've given us to intercede for all in authority. May we see transformation in our nation because of our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.